Welcome to the Not-So-Silent Verbal Recruiting Podcast, the Oklahoma edition. This is episode four, The Five-Star Curse is Over. Uh, In this podcast, we're going to discuss the following topics. We're going to go over current news, big commitment for the Sooners. Then we're going to do a wrap-up on portal activity and a quick conversation about where OU's roster is. Then we're going to have a quick uh, 2021 recruiting class wrap-up since signing day was on uh, Wednesday. Um, Now that Joe John Finley is fully on board, um, we're going to talk about 2022 tight end recruiting. Uh, He's made several new offers since he just joined the the Sooner team. And then we're going to discuss future news, uh, 2022-2023 offers, And we're starting to see a bunch of 2022 announcements and verbal commitments. So those are the topics we're going to discuss today. Thank you for joining, and we're going to go ahead and start. Get on with it. Yes, get on with it. Okay, current news. Big commitment for the Sooners. So as the... uh, Episode uh, title is clear. Oh, you got a big verbal commitment, and the five-star curse is finally over. Um, it's been frustrating since I started this podcast. Um, it seemed like I've been trying to delay um, recording sometimes to catch the Sooners grabbing a five-star recruit. First, that was Bryce Foster. Then it was Kamar Wheaton. And then finally, it was the the, the debacle that was uh, Tristan Lee choosing Clemson. So uh, it seemed like uh, OU was just, uh, 2021 was just ending with OU getting no luck. And then I thought we were going to get lucky and capture Tyson Ford committing to OU. Uh, he's not quite a five star, but he's a highly, highly rated recruit. It seemed like OU was about to get great 2022 news. And then literally the, the day before he announced, uh, he changed direction. Um, and went with Notre Dame. He'd been a silent verbal commitment to OU. Um, several uh, OU paid recruiting websites um, had all kinds of programming ready to go. Um, so it looked like OU was out of luck. But now uh, it looks like all that curse is over. We now have a five-star commitment, and we have a, 2000, a new 2022 commitment. So who is it, and why is it such a huge decision? Well, it's it's two thousand it's uh, two thousand twenty two uh, number one all purpose back in the country, uh, Relique Brown from California. Uh, Relique has been on OU's radar since two thousand nineteen, uh, when he was first discovered at an OU summer camp event, where ironically enough he was uh, he was receiving passes from Brock Vandergriff. Um. And just torching every upperclassman defender that was in the camp. Just literally making them look stupid. Literally everyone just dropped what they were doing and came over to watch Relique Brown uh, at a summer camp event. And it's it's rare that you, in this day of and age of recruiting, that you have that occur. Um, you know, there's the famous Teddy Lehman story. Um, I remember when Myron Roll as a freshman... Uh, came to visit Oklahoma, and everyone wondered who he was. Um, so it's it's few and far between, and the stories are fairly legendary. So uh, this freshman from California showed up and was just unbelievably good. Um, so uh, it's a huge pickup for the Sooners. Um, uh, there's some there seems to be some discussion as to whether he's a running back or a wide receiver for the Sooners. I think the answer to that question is yes. He's both. I think it's probably more proper to refer to Brown as an all-purpose weapon uh, aimed directly at the defense. Um, OU is going to use him everywhere. 
uh, and anywhere to get him the ball, to get him the ball in space, ideally creating coverage mismatches or creating coverage confusion for the defense. Um, he's going to be in the backfield and then he can uh, motion out to be a wide receiver. Oh, you can put him in the slot, then motion him back into the backfield. Uh, you can put him in the slot, motion and do all kinds of pre-snap motion. Uh, as you, as we've seen, OU use um, a lot of motion where the the they put a receiver in motion and he runs by the uh, runs by the quarterback before the snap uh, gets the ball sometimes doesn't get the ball sometimes can be a receiving threat out of that or running threat out of that. Um, I think you'll see that play a lot with Relique Brown. Um, defenses are going to have to figure out how they want to match up with this player. Uh, while still dealing with the fact that um, they're I, probably going to be dealing with five-star wide receivers at the two other receiver spots, OU's always going to have a a blue-chip tight end or H-back, and the regular running back spot is not going to be is going to be you know uh, manned hopefully by uh, is going to be manned at least this year by players like Kennedy Brooks or Seth McGowan. Uh, and in the future, it could be manned by some five-star guys that OU is hot on the trail for. So this is not—he's not the every-down back. This is not the guy who's going to be toting the rock, you know, twenty, thirty times a game. OU is going to get him the ball as many times as possible, and he's—he's going to be—he's just going to be a weapon that's going to drive Big Ten, Big Twelve defend defensive coordinators mad because literally one little mistake. And uh, Relique is going to take take the ball and, and, and take it all the way to the end zone. Um, these Relique is the kind of player that, despite Iowa State playing solid, great assignment defense, Relique is going to make that one guy miss, and then he's gone. And all the all the solid assignment defense um, you you run won't won't match up won't match up with this kind of the the maneuverability, the escapability, and speed uh, that Relique Brown has. Um, comparisons for Brown range from uh, Tyreek Hill. That comparison's a, a little hard to make right now because Brown has not proven that level of blazing sub-4-3 speed yet. Um, his best confirmed time right now is a 4-4-1 laser time on grass uh, last fall at a workout camp. So... We don't yet have a 4-3 time yet for um, Relique Brown, um, a sub-4-4 time, but I think that's probably coming. Um, a better comparison is probably DeAnthony Thomas, who is with Oregon and uh, was just a com- total playmaker. And is, is now he's with the Kansas City Chiefs, ironically enough, with Tyreek Hill. Um, or perhaps Percy Harvin, uh, who was at Florida. And uh, Sooner fans, unfortunately, remember Percy Percy, uh, not Tim Tebow, was the real offensive MVP MVP for UF in their title game win over OU in 2009. Um, Brown's uh, originally from Stockton High School in California. And uh, last year he uh, transferred to um, LA area uh, national powerhouse uh, May to Day. So we don't have any junior year film of... um, uh, of Relique yet because they weren't able to play. Uh, they weren't able to play in the fall in California. I think they may have some sort of s- late spring season potentially. I'm not sure about that. And uh, the only film on Huddle is his uh, freshman year film, and his freshman year film's great. There is a highlight reel which I'll add in the links um, on YouTube, which seems to have some of his sophomore film in it as well. And you can just see. Just the speed, maneuverability, escapability um, uh, that that uh, that Relique has. Uh, for an older comparison, I showed it to some Sooner fans who who remember the seventies a little. Remember the seventies Sooners more than I do, um, and they they use comparisons. Uh, they use the Joe Washington comparison. I think that's probably pretty fair. If if Relique was in seventies era football, he would he would be the he would be a wishbone halfback and, and just terrorizing terrorizing defenses with long touchdown run after a long touchdown run. Um, 
he's uh, as I said, he's a five star composite five star on two four seven. He's just outside the five star range on rivals right now, and uh, just outside the rive outside the range on ESPN. He's a he's a five star on two four seven in there. Composite ranking system has him as a five star. That gives OU right now five verbals for two thousand and twenty two. Um, four of them are in the top 100 of the 247 composite. Four of them are in the top 50 of ESPN's rankings. Um, well, they're all four stars. Um, they have five-star rankings. Uh, Relique has a five-star ranking on 247. Uh, Luther Burden has a five-star ranking on Rivals. And Taylor Shetron has a five-star ranking on ESPN. So that will all fix itself out as these guys go through camp sessions and and other and and other and other things. But right now, OU's got three elite um, position skill position guys for 2022. And uh, Jordan Hudson's film just dropped uh, for 2000 for this fall for his play last fall. And his film looks on his 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 junior year film looks incredible. Um, he's he's highly rated by ESPN. He's in the top fifty, but both rivals in two four seven have him outside the top one hundred. And, and I, I really don't think that's going to continue. Um, I honestly thought that Relique was going to wait to verbally commit until perhaps get a chance to take some visits, or even wait until an All Star game. But. Um, this, this 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 decision by Relique speaks really well for OU. Um, I think Relique really wants to be kind of the ringleader for the OU class of 2022. Um, as I'll get to in, in further notes, it's unlikely OU is going to sign a five-star or an elite quarterback this year. Um, so he won't have the, the obvious QB leader of the class. So Relique, though, um, is going to be – if. If, if we're back to normal recruiting and we have events like the opening or the five-star challenge for rivals, the opening, the Nike opening event, uh, we have the 247 camps, uh, the Under Armour camps. If, if those events are going on, Relique is going to be an elite player at every one of those events. He's going to be someone um, just raising his profile and, and elite kids want to play with elite kids. So, uh, I see him, Luther Burden, definitely being two kind of ringleaders for the OU class and being players that attract other players. Um, they are definitely um, they're definitely leaders and and players that uh, that other players are going to take notice of. Um, so it's a huge commitment. Um, I, I'd ask Sooner fans to not get into the whole. Oh, well, can OU keep this commitment? It's a long time to signing day. Yes, it's a long time to signing day. But I would tell you guys to just go ahead and enjoy this commitment. Enjoy this five-star edition. Watch the film. Enjoy it because OU has a long relationship with this kid. He's already been on campus several times. He camped at OU. He's been, he's hung out in Lincoln Riley's office. Uh, four OU coaches have been involved in recruiting him over the last two Two and a half, two years. There's a, there's a long established relationship between OU and Relique. And for Relique to verbal this early really sets the stage for uh, Relique being, as I said, that, you know, one of those ringleaders for the, for the OU uh, uh, rec- recruiting class. So Bama and, and USC, yes, they will continue to recruit the, recruit the kid. Major Day and USC have strong connections. Uh, but, you know, this is an offensive kid who clearly has established in his mind a vision of how he's going to be used on offense in the Sooner attack. And Lincoln Riley's clearly laid out, I mean, here's exactly how I'm going to use you. Here's exactly how I'm going to get you so many touches that you're probably or possibly putting up 1,500, maybe two, you know, 1,500, 1,600, 2,000 yards of total offense because you'll obviously use Relique in special teams as well. So massive commitment for OU. Um, couldn't be, couldn't come at a better time uh, sort of to build some momentum for OU 
as 2022 is really starting to kick off. Uh, and again, like I said, OU right now has a top five uh, top five uh, ranking in the country off only five verbals. The only people who are ranked above OU have significantly more verbals than them. Uh, and really, you've got in that class, in, in, in that five, that group of five, just, you know, five elite blue chip players, really, in my opinion. Uh, Kobe McKenzie at middle linebacker is, is, is quite possibly the best Mike linebacker in the nation. And then you've got the three wide receivers and then um, the all-purpose weapon in, uh, in a really ground. Um, just a quick update. I don't think he had decided by, decided the last time uh, I did the podcast, but Eric Gray, the Tennessee running back, uh, has got, had, did verbal to OU. He's in the directory. Uh, Wanya Morris, Key Lawrence, they're all in the directory along with Robert Congle and um, Makai Bowens. So OU's um, transfer, uh, portal transfers are all in the directory, all enrolled. There's only one piece of, uh, one floating piece out there in terms of portal information, and that's Auburn defensive end Martavius uh, Big Cat Bryant uh, is still in the portal. Um, not sure what's going on with that. Not sure if he's going to stay at Auburn, go to Tennessee, or if he's going to switch to Oklahoma. Um, no real, no real answers there. Um, and then just to close up 2021, uh, there were no late day defections on signing day for OU. Kamar Wheaton signed with Bama. Austin UK signed with Stanford. Uh, OU did not make any other off court than Lincoln Riley. OU did not send any paperwork to anybody on signing day for them to sign. They knew what was going on with the, with the recruiting battles out there. Oh, you did not try and get involved with Josh Simmons or, 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 uh, Trevin Wallace or anybody else. Any of the other names that has been floating out there as potentials during the month of January, January basically was all about the portal. So, um, Oh, you in theory, I guess, Oh, you could make a late addition this summer either from the JUCO or high school ranks, depending upon their roster size, um, how they view the roster coming out of spring ball. So, you know, I, I guess that is a distinct possibility. The OU in the past has added late players um, from JUCO, notably two late players that really were pretty pretty beneficial for OU, uh, Lane Johnson and LeColton Bester. Uh, the wide receiver that uh, played a big role in the Notre Dame wins in 2013 and in the in the 2014 Bama Sugar Bowl. So oh, you could make some make a move there. They're going to have the roster space to do it based upon everything that we see. Uh, and with only having signed 16 kids uh, and five portal transfers, OU does have four slots available uh, to do something else further uh, if something else happens. Finally, one one other note, uh, Eric uh, Gilbert, the portal transfer from LSU, the tight end that everybody loved, uh, has decided to to go to Florida. Um, So he's doing an SEC transfer. Um, We'll see how that's going to fly with the SEC. We'll see if LSU is going to put up some resistance to him being eligible immediately. Um, Obviously, uh, the Kyle Pitts effect uh, was the biggest uh, reason, I think, that – Eric Gilbert chose Florida over, I guess, Georgia or maybe somewhere like Clemson. All right, uh, that's it for uh, current news and and verbal commitment up and verbal commitment news. Next, we're going to talk about uh, putting a wrap on OU's portal additions. And now for something completely different. Okay, let's uh, wrap up the portal activity for OU in the month of January. And um, it really replaced any high school recruiting activity. Um, As I mentioned in the verbal section, uh, since the last time we did the podcast, OU's newest portal edition uh, is Tennessee uh, running back Eric Gray. Uh, Gray at Tennessee had um, over two seasons, had over 1,300 yards rushing and a little over 300 yards receiving. He was the uh, starter uh, at running back for most of 2020, and could arguably called one of the could be could be arguably called one of the few bright spots for 
what was a pretty true, pretty awful uh, Tennessee offense last year. Uh, Gray was Gray is from Tennessee. He was a four-star player on Rivals. Uh, he was a composite um, uh, top one hundred and fifty player on two four seven. Um, and where Gray uh, fits in is probably somewhere between Kennedy Brooks and uh, and McGowan Majors right now. Um, he's on campus. He's be able to go through spring. Um. He adds a fourth really key piece to the OU backfield. Um, you know, both McGowan and Majors looked really good in the Florida game. Um, hadn't looked really good for a couple of – hadn't looked really good uh, prior to that. Uh, been a couple of weeks since they'd really had a chance to to star. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson had really kind of taken over. But they looked really good in the Florida game. So there was there's a, definitely some positive buzz building for both those guys coming out of uh, the bowl game. Where they be. Um, OU, like I said, gets back Kennedy Brooks. Uh, we don't know what shape Kennedy Brooks is going to be, what kind of game shape he's going to be in. He's going to be a little rusty having set out a year. But, um, you know, we're talking about OU returning a two-year starter who had over 1,000 yards rushing and averaged over six yards per carry. Uh, a player who put both Trey Sermon and Ramondi Stevenson on the bench uh, for the bulk of 2019. So, Kenny, if Kennedy Brooks comes back in form, that's that's a whole lot of experienced college running back. So, the nice thing for the Sooners is that Gray fits in and ex, fits in um, perfectly behind or in front of Brooks, or uh, fits in ahead of McGowan and Majors. Um, He's an excellent receiver, really good running back, and gives OU two, you know, veteran running backs and gives OU running back depth. And and running back is a position where depth can just evaporate. You you have four good running backs, uh, and then OU has found themselves with a, you know, depth at running back, and then all of a sudden, you know, they find themselves having to run Dimitri Flowers as their primary eye back against uh, Iowa State. So Gray is Gray based upon purely his productivity and his numbers in in college is an upgrade over TJ Pledger. He's played more than TJ. He has better stats than TJ. He's he's been more productive. So from that standpoint, that's probably a, a win for OU on the on the column there. And since OU struck out with high school recruiting, we're not going to go back you know, too deeply into the Carmar Wheaton debacle debacle, but. Um, you know, picking up Gray right before the signing day really, I think, eased some some concerns there. It gave OU four big time running backs for for spring ball to do everything they need to do in spring. Um, I'm, I'm very interested to see what Gray can do in an offensive scheme uh, that has good quarterback play, uh, that an offense a cohesive offensive scheme that knows what they're doing. Uh, has playmakers on the outside, uh, has a veteran, has a has a cohesive offensive line. Um, so you know, I, I think the 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 possible upside here on Gray is 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 significant. It's hard to know, especially for off especially for offensive players. Um, you know, hard to know how much of the scheme uh, and the lack of support has you know has been you know, stymie, you know, an explosive dynamic player. I think there's a good chance we we may see Gray, you know, really pop for the Sooners uh, this fall. So right now, OU has lost 10 players to the portal. Um, the biggest losses uh, right now uh, in terms of, of depth and organizing, organization for 2021 are, were obviously T.J. Pledger. Chandler Morris, uh, and and uh, Buki, uh, Brandon Radley Hiles. Um, uh, he's he's now in the he's now in the portal. Um, he just went in a couple of days this week. Um, it's unclear if he's actually going to leave or not. Um, but he's obviously a starter or a co-starter. So that's probably the number one loss. OU doesn't really have a feel for. Um, OU obviously was able to replace TJ Pledger with Eric Grade that I just talked about. 
um, was pretty much able to do a one-for-one swap with Chandler Morris and Micah Bowens. Uh, they're both 2020 kids. Um, Bowens is on campus. He'll be going through spring. He'll be the third quarterback, second or third quarterback, depending on how you views Caleb Williams' progress. Um, and then OU has managed to um, replace or mitigate the early NFL departures of Adrian Ely with Wanya Morris. Um, Ramondre Stevenson, again, with Eric Gray. And then Trey Norwood with uh, Key, Key Lawrence coming on board. And you kind of have to wonder if the arrival of Key Lawrence, the news that Justin Harrington's going to be healthy, um, the arrival of Latrell McCutcheon, uh, Bryson Washington, and Jeremiah Cradell now getting a spring to go through the um, the Speed D defense. Yeah, Jeremiah Cradell has been on campus and has never really had a chance to go through a go through spring with the Speed D. I mean, um, if you just think if you think about that, that's you know to really have spring to really just delve dive delve into the into the scheme. So um, I, I wonder if Buki just looked around and saw an ever ever burgeoning, ever ever bigger, taller, longer um, secondary room, and decided that maybe it was time to maybe it's time for him to try, try somewhere else and try somewhere else and play cornerback. Um, if he has an NFL future, it's obviously a cornerback. Um, perhaps, 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 get a chance to play some cornerback at a at a different school. So, we'll see what happens with Buki. But OU, as I said, lost lost personnel to the portal. Replay was able to, I think, mitigate those those losses, mitigate the NFL losses, and goes into 2021 with a roster with very few clear gaps. There's obviously players that need to step up and play. But when you look at the defense, for the most part, you have about nine, you have about nine to ten confirmed starters. Uh, really, only two positions where you you need to figure some things out on offense. Um, again, if Kennedy Brooks comes back. Um, you you have a you have a top ten, top five running back in college football, um, and now you have depth behind him. And that depth has, has a lot more experience. So I think on offense, you know, there's some offensive line things that need to get figured out. And the wide receiver room needs to shake out a little bit. But overall, you've got a lot of returning talent, a lot of players that have started, uh, and a lot of players that have played a lot of big-time football for the Sooners. So uh, that's it from the portal perspective. Um, again, I, I don't anticipate OU adding any more portal players, although – there could be a player that comes available in spring uh, or summer uh, that fits OU's needs roster-wise uh, coming out of coming out of uh, spring spring football or summer workouts. There's a possibility something could sync up uh, based upon OU's direct needs and uh, an ultra talented player showing up. I mean, that's the big thing is OU added significant talent. Um, Onto the roster. I mean, Wanya Morris, Eric Gray, and, and Keyshawn Lawrence. That's that's those are those are significant significant additions to any roster at any time. Um, if oh, you had added those players out of high school, and you add them, if you'd added their point values sort of to their recruiting class right now, um, you know, OU jumps into a, a top five, uh, top five kind of class range. Uh, for a 2000, uh, for the 2021 recruiting class, you'd have 19 verbals and have, you know, have a class much closer to top five. So very, very much some significant additions. OU did as well with a transfer portal as really anyone in the country. Okay. Uh, we're going to, that's our wrap up on uh, portal and we're going to move on to uh, discussing the ho-hum blah second signing day. Is your name? It is Arthur, King of the Britons. What? Is your quest? To seek the Holy Grail. What? Is the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? What do you mean? An African or European swallow? Huh? I, I don't know that. <laughs> Who do you know, 
see which bit swallows. Well, you have to know these things when you're a king, you know. Okay, let's wrap up uh, OU's recruiting class and the second signing day, um, which is really becoming a, a non-event, anticlimactic event for the most part, especially for Sooner fans. Um, OU basically, you know, stands pat uh, for the second year in a row, not signing anyone else on the second signing day. Um, it's really kind of a dud. There wasn't really any news. There wasn't any surprise news. Second year in a row, really, that was occurring. There wasn't any late names appearing. Um, really, the the OU's been getting their business done in, in December and really has been, you know, for this year, really focused on the portal um, and focused on jumpstarting 2022 recruiting instead. Um, I don't know if we have a return to the regular recruiting process uh, outside of COVID-19, where OU has players um, that they're interested in from the high school ranks, that everyone has their senior year film in, and OU is able to evaluate some high school seniors and find just a couple of two outstanding gems that they want to offer and then recruit in January. Uh, players, you know, the, the Josh jo- Jacobs example being the, the most obvious kind of one of a guy who just leapt up and became a feature uh, a feature recruit for everyone. Um, there were some kids that made announcements um, on signing day. Uh, very few surprises. Most everybody knew where everybody was going. Um, you know, last year OU did um, have two recruits in in the January time period. Technically speaking, um, defensive end Alfred Collins uh, ended up at UT. That was kind of known around January twentieth. Um, and Juco defensive end DeAndre Butler chose uh, Auburn. And, and again, OU had him visit. And then after his visit, he visited Auburn, and and that was it. So there wasn't a lot of drama uh, on the first Wednesday in February uh, last year either. So um, it's, 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 it's an interesting change. There's been a lot of interesting discussions about whether um, the recruiting process needs to change, whether signing day needs to change, whether um, uh, whether you, you stick, if you stick with a December date, do you really need a date that soon in February? Uh, should you push it back and do something more like a spring signing, like the way college basketball does? Um, should you move up the early signing day um, uh, for to like August or uh, September and allow folks to sign uh, before their senior year to allow those people who know exactly where they're going before their senior year and want to get that process done and let them do that then. Um, uh, the calendar for recruiting is a little all over the place. COVID has obviously amplified that problem by having a nearly uh, 11 month, we're in the 11th month of a dead period. So um, I, I, I think it is a possibility we might see some changes um, to the recruiting calendar moving forward, giving some more blackout windows and some more explicit non-recruiting time to really help the college football coaches with the recruiting calendar. Um, it, it used to be, I mean, basically Feb, the February used to be after February, there was at least a dead period of about six weeks. But now it's, 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 we're already jumping ahead to 2022 and and I'll get to the, the the activity in 2022 is already starting to rear up uh, in, in, a, in a following segment. So where did OU land up? So after everything, everything uh, came down, OU was able to, uh, OU was uh, 13th on Rivals and the ever mysterious uh, ESPN rankings. Don't know how ESPN does their rankings. Therefore, it's almost impossible to tell how they're doing it. Um, They were a top 10 class uh, going into uh, Wednesday on the 247 composite rankings and fell just below Michigan to the 11th spot um, uh, by by less than a point. So really any recruit OU could have signed – officially signed on a Wednesday would have pushed them back into a top 10 class. 
uh, on the on the two four seven composite rankings. And let me just double check rivals here again, so I'm not misquoting anything. I believe they're still thirteenth, or maybe they're fourteenth on rivals. Let me just check here. Team rankings. Yep, they're still thirteenth, uh, and uh, OU with a, with a couple of signees would have easily been out of being, would have easily been in the top uh, would have been a top ten class. Um, they were they were every team above them has has at a minimum five more kids than OU does, and with the way the rankings are done, they really hurt any class that has twenty or below signees. So OU basically had four point slots. On rival that went on rivals that went unfilled. So if you imagine OU averages about ninety points a player, um, that would have that would have given OU um, you know an additional three hundred and sixty points, which would put OU at a class right around you know uh, eight or nine, right around right around the classes that Clemson and USC had. But if you took if you take a different spin on the uh, the way the recruiting uh, rankings are done, and you look at average per recruit, the average point value per recruit, Oklahoma is actually fourth on rivals and fifth on the uh, 247 composite rankings. So really, when you talk about the quality of this class, uh, and again, if you, if you want to, you could factor in um, Wanya Harris is another five-star, Key Lawrence is a top 100. Uh, Eric Gray is a four-star top 150. And if you you know if you wanted to throw those guys into the picture, OU would be, you know, very very close to you know number three class in the country, star wise, um, average recruit wise. So the f- 16 there's a lot of star power. There's a lot of firepower in this smaller class. Uh, in fact, 15 of OU's 16 verbals have a five-star ranking by one service, uh, by at least one service. Uh, uh, the only player who is three-star at every service is Isaiah Coe. And Coe didn't get a chance to play this year. Um, and is, is still probably the best JUCO transfer defensive lineman in the country. So um, Coe is probably wildly underranked as a three-star. So um, that's the uh, that's the OU uh, recruiting class for 2021. Um, it's going to be interesting to see uh, where OU um, lands in 2022. Um, we should hopefully uh, it's off to a great start, but uh, 2021 is put to bed. OU is technically outside the magical top ten. Um, uh, of rankings by the services, or you just don't have a top 10 class and whatever status you want to give that. Um, but it's clear OU added a lot of talent and used the transfer portal uh, to augment uh, to augment that talent uh, considerably. So next we're going to move on to a little discussion about Joe John Finley's arrival and tight end recruiting. expect a kind of Spanish Inquisition. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. Okay, as we mentioned last week, OU has hired a new tight end coach and former Sooner tight end, Joe John Finley. Joe John has uh, experience at Missouri, Texas A&M, and Old Miss over the last four years as a tight end coach, so he's done a good job at all of those locations, having productive, um, uh, very productive tight end games and really a great job developing uh, tight ends. So Joe John hit the ground running uh, last week with a number of new offers. Let's just recap where tight end recruiting stands for OU. So OU really needs to sign a tight end uh, in 2022. OU lost their tight end recruit from 2020 when Jalen Conyers uh, transferred to Arizona. Conyers is really struggling uh, at OU. He really wasn't finding his place. So that transfer might be the best thing for everyone. Um, But it leaves a gap for OU. And I could even see OU signing two tight ends 
um, if the right players are available uh, for for the Sooners because I think there's a world where we could imagine Austin uh, Stogner having um, a massive junior year uh, like Ma- like Mark Andrews uh, winning the Mackey Award and 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 going pro. I don't I don't think that's beyond the realm of possibility uh, if he's if he has a healthy 12 games uh, and the Rattler passing offense is is humming like we think it could. So before Joe John Finley got on board, you had two main offers out there. Um, one was to Jake Johnson, um, generally considered to be the number one tight end in the country. He's from Georgia. He's 6'5", 6'6", 230. Uh, big kid. Um, more of a dual purpose um, kind of uh, tight end kid. You could probably make him an inline blocker or flex him out as a pass receiver. Um, just really... Uh, really an excellent kid on film and, and a player OU's really, really interested in. Um, obviously, taking him from UGA and the rest of the SEC is going to be kind of difficult, um, but uh, OU's definitely interested in there. The other player was um, Donovan Green, who is probably the best tight end in Texas and is probably fighting Jake Johnson for the title of best tight end in the country. OU's been recruiting Green for a while. Um, at one point, it looked like OU maybe had a lead for Green uh, back during his uh, sophomore year. Um, right now, though, he has verbal to Texas A&M. And, um, you know, that's not a big surprise there. Texas A&M's had a, doing a great job with their tight ends. Weidermeyer, um, who under Joe John Finley's uh, tutelage, has developed into a very good I-10, very good tight end, Jay Sternberger, had a, was 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 a really good tight end for AM. And it's probably the the number one feature of the AM offense that's actually really working at a high level. Um, so we'll have to see if Jay um, if uh, JJF is gonna try and uh, and and try and flip that verbal commitment. Uh, doubtlessly he knows Donovan Green. He's been recruiting him from his other spots. Um, and he certainly uh, has a relationship with him, I would imagine. So I'd imagine that OU will probably try and push for a spring or summer visit from Green and see how firm that commitment is to A&M. But the big splash was he no sooner had uh, Joe John, you know, taken over the tight end position, was in Norman, than other offers went out. And the first offer was to Oscar Delp, who's also from Georgia, um, he's more of a Calcaterra-looking uh, kind of tight end, 6'5", 220, really good receiver, more of a flexed-out kind of a player, able to find space, and really able to test linebackers um, vertically down the middle of the field. Um, just a really good-looking player, top one, top 150 ranking, probably right outside, probably the third tight end in the country, third or fourth tight end in the country. Uh, and then... Continuing this sort of southern southern look of of, of uh, players that OU's been recruiting at tight end. Uh, the next offer was Jaleel Skinner. He's more of a big wide receiver. He's about 6'4", 6'5", 215. Excellent, excellent receiver. Good speed. He shows, you know, that he's a pretty willing blocker. Um, but the skill and playmaking by Skinner are at a, at a pretty high level. Um you know, it's probably a little bit of recency bias, but Kyle Pitts is probably not the world's worst comparison. And then OU reached out and made an offer to a player in Nebraska, and I don't think OU's offered a player in Nebraska for, I don't know, 10 years maybe? Um, offered a player by the name of, a player named Caden Helms. And Caden's uh, probably the best uh Best inline physical tight end of these three offers. He's 6'4, 6'5, 230. It's very physical at the point of attack, but he shows good receiving skills and good speed. Um, you know, I could really see OU signing Caden and another tight end. Um, because Caden at Caden could also be a big H back for OU as well. So OU definitely likes those players. Um, so you know. Joe John's off to a, a roaring start um, uh, from from the tight end offers, and we'll just need to see kind of where where OU will go and see see who OU is able to, to attract some attention from. 
Uh, in addition, OU offered um, 2023 tight end H-back uh, Luke Haas from Bixby. His last name is H-A-S-Z. I'm not sure quite how to pronounce that. I'm going to go with Haas until I'm corrected. And Luke, uh, Luke has fantastic film and was a big part of, uh, of, the, of Bixby's successful year in football and looks like an excellent prospect and, and could be a national prospect at uh, tight end. He's 6'4", 6'5", 220, uh, and obviously has, uh, as, as a rising high school junior, you know, got room to grow uh, and get bigger. So it's a good start for Joe John. Um, interested to see which, which of these targets – Perhaps he's able to uh, lock down to come into Norman for visits, um, either uh, unofficially, hopefully, uh, coming up soon. Uh, and uh, like I said, I, I would be surprised if Joe John is is willing to just call the Donovan Green recruiting over for Texas A&M. He's, he's probably been recruiting, probably recruited him last year at Ole Miss. Um, so I, I think there's probably a long relationship there. So I'll be interested to see if he's able to get OU back into that race. All right, uh, that's uh, that's tight end recruiting. We're going to go ahead and move over to future news, uh, 2022 and 2023. And finally, monsieur, a waffle-thin Okay, in our final podcast segment, we're going to talk about future news. That's concerning 2022 and 2023 and eventually 2024. Uh, kids talk about OU offers, uh, commitments that impact OU, and announcements that are coming up. So surprisingly, there's been a flurry of 2022 uh, commits and announcements, uh, including the the headline story of this podcast, uh, OU getting Relique Brown. And to be honest, I'm a little surprised that this has been occurring because the news has been full of stories talking about the potential lifting by the NCAA of the 13-month-long dead period um, on April 15th of of this year and starting to allow uh, unofficial visits on campus with actual coaching contact to uh, start occurring again. Keep coaches still on campus, but recruits can go visit schools. Um, OU could have um, a spring game where they can invite kids to the game, come to the game, and have real coaching contact, look, be able to give tours of facilities, uh, things along those lines, real, real in-person recruiting. Um, you know, there was a, to want, just to highlight how weird this has all been, there was a story talking about the fact that it wasn't until he moved in on campus that Nathan uh, uh, Rawlings Kabanje had never met Coach Riley before. That's the first time they met is when he moved on campus uh, last week. So that's just how strange this this recruiting process has been. But um, it looks like we may be seeing an end to it in in, in early April, mid-April, sorry. Um, but it's not stopping 2022 from just just starting with a bang. And we're talking a lot of some big-name kids, a lot of high-profile kids making decisions. Um and uh, it's and it does. There appears no sign of it slowing down. Um, so the first commitment uh, to talk is Jaden Blue, the Texas running back, uh, Texas high school running back, verbal to UT. This wasn't a huge surprise. Um, it's probably a bigger blow for LSU. Um, maybe not that big a blow for Texas A&M. They just picked up LJ Johnson last year, so they're running back, and they've had a really they have a really good speedy freshman who started in their bowl game. So maybe not the biggest hit for A&M. Um, OU appears focused elsewhere at running back right now. Um, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but it's a big pickup for a big pickup for UT. Um, they lost uh, uh, they lost a couple of running backs to the portal. Um, so, you know, this is some good depth, um, you know, uh, uh, to, to plug in behind BJ and BJ Robinson because there's a good chance BJ – uh, but John, sorry, won't be there more than uh, more than three years uh, if, if he's smart. Um, so uh, obviously, one of the the real story kind of here is, you know, Texas fired Tom Herman because of recruiting. We can talk about their performance on the field and how uh, that wasn't wasn't the greatest, but he was fired for recruiting. Uh, their class this year. 
um, was in the lower lower te- lower teens, early twenties, depending upon who was doing the evaluations. They missed out on a lot of top the, the top twenty talent in Texas did not go to UT, and for two thousand and twenty two, it was all trending not to go to Texas either. So so basically, we're seeing what we've seen before, and OU fans have seen before. It's rinse repeat. UT hires a brand new coach, and for the five six months rolling up to the season. They get a big bump in recruiting, uh, so we should anticipate and anticipate seeing a number of verbals for the the Steve Sarkeesian uh, experiment in Austin. And it makes sense for a running back to be one of the first people to jump on board. Sarkeesian is pitching that he's going to develop and create the arc, the Alabama uh, 2020 offense. Uh, he's going to recreate that in Austin. Um. We'll see how long he, he it takes for him to actually do that. Uh, there's certainly some pieces missing there uh, for that offense, uh, most notably offensive line and wide receiver. Um, but that's what he's going to pitch. And and for kids that want to go to Texas, you know that pitch is going to be very very receptive, uh, very very appealing. So they're off to a good start with Jaden Blue, uh, and um, and. Uh, uh, I would anticipate that I'll probably be talking about, you know, uh, you know, a half, you know, three or four more probably between now and April of some high profile kids that uh, that decide they want to go to Texas, uh, particularly at wide receiver where um, OU is full. Uh, OU doesn't really have a spot for an elite wide receiver at this point because they already have three elite wide receivers. So the uh, other big verbal was a little more of a surprise. Um, Keithian uh, uh, Alexander, nicknamed Bear Alexander, uh, the big defensive tackle from uh, Denton Ryan, uh, verbal to UGA, and he did it on signing day. So the biggest one of the biggest signing day announcements on signing day was 2022. Not even a person who couldn't even sign, uh, and he chose UGA. And this this announcement and time frame kind of really came out of nowhere. No one really thought he was going to verbal this early. And no one really thought he was going to verbal to UGA. Everyone was expecting this battle to, to last into the maybe late summer, maybe early fall, uh, maybe even until an all-star game. Um, but he's verbal to UGA. And everybody, I think, sort of thought this would be a UTOU versus the SEC East kind of battle. Um, but he has chosen UGA um, on the surface. That, that makes sort of perfect sense. UGA relies runs a three four scheme. They re- rely upon a big run stuffing nose guard uh, for that scheme to to work work effectively. Right now, they uh, last year uh, they had Jordan Davis running that um, at nose guard. Uh, he was very very productive. He's six six. Uh, he listed at three thirty. Looks like he was probably looks like he's probably more like three fifty. Maybe maybe even heavier than that. And um, Alexander is, you know, 6'3", 335. So he sort of fits that role to a T. Um, and also, you know, could end up being a, you know, six foot three, 355-pound, you know, huge nose guard that at this point really only the SEC is really using. Um, I think OU is probably pitching a, a different destiny to Alexander, asking him to probably shed some more weight and get down to – uh, about, you know, 6'3", 3'10", um, you know, be faster, lighter, more explosive, um, and um, which is, you know, more of what the NFL really wants in terms of every down defensive tackles. Um, you know, the ideal defensive tackle for the, for the NFL these days is, you know, 6'5", 300-pound uh, player who can play every down, stop the run, provide interior pass rush, and stay on the field for uh, every down. So uh, I think OU is probably pushing that destiny, but Alexander's decided to go with the more pigeonholed role of sort of a run-stopping traditional 3-4 nose guard. Uh, And to be honest, the NFL's drafting those guys in the third and fourth rounds because they're not going to waste a first-round pick on a player who has limited value and is not an an every-down player. So... um, We'll see what happens with Bear Alexander's uh, recruiting moving forward. Um, maybe he'll stick with this UGA verbal. Uh, maybe he'll decide to take some visits, uh, but it's hard to say at this point. 
the uh, the there's an announcement coming up. Uh, sorry, uh, there's one more verbal uh, and then another announcement that really sort of impact some other impact uh, some other areas for OU. So OU has only offered two quarterbacks for 2022. Um, one was Connor Wegman. Uh, from Texas, and he has gone ahead and verbal to Texas A&M. Uh, Wegman's a fantastic baseball player, um, probably has some chance to be drafted early in baseball. So I guess depending upon his negotiating leverage with that team, there's a chance he, he never sees a college campus, or there's a chance he goes to college and, and does the Kyler Murray thing where he plays quarterback uh, and, uh, and, and plays baseball. So A&M was able to pick him up, and that's probably, um, you know, I really like his film. That may be the best QB verbal that the Jimbo Fisher uh, era has has landed. So I guess they're, they're probably hoping that he's not going to go the baseball-only route and and, um, and and skip college. The other uh, holder of the Lincoln-Riley QB golden ticket was Ty Simpson. He's a five-star quarterback from Tennessee. And he's set to announce later this month on the 19th. And it would probably, it's going to be Bama or Clemson, depending upon who you talk to. Um, I'm guessing maybe Clemson, purely because they haven't had the turnover at quarterback and offensive coordinator that Alabama has. Um, Alabama has uh, lost Sarkeesian to Texas, and and uh, Saban hired Bill O'Brien, the former head coach of the Texans, who, who may be a great offensive coordinator and a great quarterback coach, but he hasn't been talking to high school uh, quarterback recruits the last three years. He's been he's been coaching the Texans. So I'm guessing that small edge of familiarity uh, with the people recruiting him might give an edge to, uh, to Clemson. Uh, Ty Simpson might feel a little more comfortable going to Clemson. And if that's the case, then... What we've really kind of seen here is that um, OU is kind of dominating QB recruiting in the odd years. OU landed Spencer Rattler in 2019, who was a number one QB. Then in 2020, OU picked up uh, Chandler Morris, who was a you know low four-star, uh, high three-star uh, quarterback, depending on, on your rankings. And he actually has transferred out. And OU's replaced him with Micaiah Bowens, who is a, you know, mid-range three-star quarterback. And then in 2021, OU lands Caleb Williams, uh, number one quarterback uh, in that class. So OU goes into this fall with two five-star quarterbacks on their roster. Um, So during the off year, though, 2020, when OU was not able to sign a five-star quarterback, the five-star quarterback signed with Alabama and Clemson. Uh, Our friend DJ signed with Clemson. And Bryce Young signed with Alabama. So OU and 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 Alabama and Clemson seem to be taking kind of a well, we're, we'll take a five star this year and then we'll sit out. You guys take a five star that year, kind of be kind of playing a seesaw back and forth on that. So those are the only guys that OU has offered. Uh, Wegman and Simpson are the only guys that had OU uh, offers at quarterback. Lincoln Riley holds his QB offers like Willy Wonka's golden tickets. Um, he wants that person to feel special. He doesn't want to have multiple QB, a lot of QB offers out there. He wants to focus on a small number of kids and make it very clear that he feels like they are the next number one quarterback at Oklahoma with the potential to be the next number one quarterback drafted by the NFL and then the the first pick in the draft. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what OU does with 2022 in terms of additional offers. Do they go a little further back and try and offer some low three stars? Oh, sorry, low four star quarterbacks. Do they maybe focus on a three star developmental kid, uh, an athletic kid who perhaps could help OU at other positions while he's developing at quarterback? Or does OU recognize they have Micaiah Bowens and they picked up two? Uh, preferred walk-on quarterbacks uh, in 2021 as well um, that we talked about previously. Um, and uh, the Rucker kid from Texas especially, you know, looks like he could be a really good developmental quarterback that you can basically save a scholarship or put Rucker on scholarship if he's developing well enough and keep him, you know, keep him on campus uh, for depth reasons. Uh, and also, you know, possibility of playing uh, if, if need be. So, 
I would has I, I guess there's a good chance that OU may just decide to just focus on 2023. And if they're going to focus on 2023, right now that focus is all on Malachi Nelson from California, uh, who seems to be very interested in OU. And uh, OU may decide, you know, let's get Malachi Nelson out for spring or let's get him out for summer, throwing the football at a summer camp session with Luther Burden and Taylor Shetron, Jordan Hudson and Relique Brown so that Nelson really, you know, he knows, okay, um, when I get on campus, I'm going to be surrounded by elite skill talent. I'm, I'm going to have all the tools I need to, to be that elite quarterback. So it'll be interesting to see which way OU goes with that. We'll obviously, you know, keep track of OU's uh, QB offers and, and, and update you guys if anything else changes there. Um, just a couple of other quick notes. Um, safety Brian Allen from Alito. Uh, yes, that Alito, uh, decommitted from LSU, and um, I hear he's heavily looking at OU and very much likes the OU coaching staff. Now, on film, I'll be honest, Allen looks like he might be the best safety in the country. Uh, his junior film is just elite looking. He's, he's tackling his coverage, his run support. His ball harking skills, his ball skills, they're just, they're all elite. I mean, he would be, he would join the OU secondary and immediately be fighting for playing time at one of the three, at the, either the safety spot or maybe even at the nickel spot. He would be, he's just a playmaker. Um, but it's Alito High School and OU's last Alito uh, recruiting misadventure was, uh, was Jace McClellan. So we're kind of stuck in a position of, it's Alito. We know it's Alito, but it's like, you know, uh, to, you know, to quote uh, how I how the, the comedy series, How I Met Your Mom. She's super, she's super hot, but she's super crazy. Um, and where does that line of hot and crazy, uh, you know, where does that line draw that you should just walk away? Um, you know, we all know she's crazy, uh, but she's super hot. And um, the text messages come at 2 a.m. in the morning. You know you shouldn't respond to them, but, you know, you know she's crazy. Uh, but she is just, she's, she's, she's super hot. So uh, that's, that's kind of where OU is with Brian Allen. I don't know how they don't recruit him. Uh, he may end up at Texas. He may end up at Texas A&M. Uh, but, you know, uh, I, rumors I hear is that he's interested in the Sooners. Oh, you did make a, a second uh, new offer in state for 2022. They offered uh, Jaden Rowe, who's a 6'3", 200-pound uh, DB from Tulsa Union. He's supposed to have really good track speed. Um, he looks a lot like uh, 2021 signee Jordan Mooks in terms of being just a long, fantastic, raw, super athlete in the secondary. So OU's uh, gone ahead and offered him, and I, you know, and it sure looks to me that he's he he looks like the perfect fit for the nickel DB position that OU wants to have. Uh, a tall, fast, big safety who can match up with uh, receivers, uh, big receivers in the slot, tight ends in the slot, uh, and provide uh, you know a physical point of presence right at the line of scrimmage. Um, so I think it's, uh, there's a good chance that you'll see, uh, Roe right now doesn't really have much of a recruiting profile in terms of ranking, but I, I don't think that's going to last. He's getting a lot of offers. And I think by the time folks are able to see him in any kind of a camp setting, they're going to realize he's, that he's, he's six, three, 200 pounds plus and, and just and moves incredibly well for a guy that size. Uh, last but not least though, you made a couple of running back offers now, the first one was to Jordan James, who's from Tennessee, uh, as we you know, which is OU's newest pipeline state. And James is a, is a powerful, explosive back. He's a little, he's 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 a bigger back. He's about five ten. He's listed at 200, 205. It wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if he's not two ten. He's a little thicker frame. He's a top two hundred, uh, top two fifty type player right now, and would be a really good addition to the OU backfield. Um, 
So the other running back they offered is Emmanuel Henderson, and he might be the top running back in the country. He's also from Alabama. Uh, he's 6'1", 190. Um, comparison kind of being thrown around is former Arkansas and Oakland Raiders. Sorry, Vegas Raiders? Well, he was in Oakland. He was in Oakland, so I guess he's still an Oakland Raider. Uh, Darren McFadden. And that, that comparison seems to seems to work for me when I look at his film. His film's really good. Um, so Henderson is deciding in March, and he's never visited OU, so why don't you make the offer? OU simply is just covering their bases. Henderson is, is probably choosing Alabama. And Henderson is right on the fringe of being a five-star running back or is a five-star running back, depending upon who's doing the rankings. But where that really helps OU is if Alabama picks up Emmanuel Henderson really early, it's going to hurt their ability to recruit Gavin Sawchuck, who is probably the number two running back behind Henderson, or one, depending upon who's doing the ranking. And Gavin Sawchuck is OU's number one target at running back. He's from Colorado. He's about 5'11", 180, 185. Excellent speed, excellent wide receiver out of the backfield. Uh, comes out of the same high school as uh, Stanford running back uh, with the Panthers, uh, McCaffrey. Um, so, you know, Alabama is, you know, is also supposed to be rumored in, in, in to be following Sawchuck. So obviously Alabama is, you mentioned running back recruiting in Alabama, OU, OU fans start to have some can start to have PTSD and start, you know, getting concerned. So, well, what OU simply doing here is saying, look, if you're going to get Emmanuel Henderson, great. But if you're going to continue recruiting Gavin Sawchuck, we're going to continue to recruit Evan. We're going to continue to recruit Emmanuel Henderson as well. And we'll invite him out for a visit. So, you know, they're going to try and force Bama to play a little defense on their verbals. Um, as well, and just you know, just if they keep pushing hard for Sawchuck, then I imagine OU is going to keep pushing hard for Henderson. So the other running back uh, that OU is really after, because they really want to sign two feature backs in this class, is Javante Barnes, and he's from Las Vegas. He's not at Bishop Gorman. I keep making that mistake when I reference him on some message board posts. He's actually at uh, Desert Pines uh, High School in Las Vegas, uh, but. He obviously knows DeMarco Murray, and DeMarco Murray knows that area very well. DeMarco's done a good job with Gavin Sawchuk and Javante Barnes. OU is in a, I wouldn't say a, a leading position, but OU's in a good position with both those backs. And uh, I'd imagine they will be some of the first players that OU will seek to try and get into Norman uh, post-April 15th if unofficial visits are actually allowed to happen. So that's all the traffic going on with 2023 and 2022. Um, I think there's a good possibility the next by in the next couple of weeks we may actually be talking about OU making a 2024 offer to an in-state defensive tackle who's getting as much buzz as a defensive tackle in-state as anyone since maybe Gerald or McCoy. So we're going to wait for OU to actually make an offer before we talk about him. But um, that that's uh, to, if we start to talk about 2024, that's going to be the, the, the first player we maybe maybe are going to talk about. So thanks, everyone, for uh, listening to this podcast. And we will try and be back uh, this time next week. Uh, thanks.